If you are a teacher, parent, administrator, student, and or anyone who loves reconnecting children with nature, and you want to figure out how to cultivate learning gardens and nature-based curriculum, then this is the podcast, the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. My name is Victoria Hackett. I am the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com and the Secret Gardens Nature Classes. I love witnessing the magic that happens when children are playfully learning outdoors, observing the return of wonder and curiosity. Curiosity when children are interacting with nature is pure magic. This is the podcast that is going to help you capture children's interest and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies that are going to help you figure out how to use the outdoor space, your outdoor space, as a teaching tool so you can enlighten the playful learning experience for young children. Welcome to our Outdoor Classrooms community. Do you love nature-based children's books? Well, you are going to love my new freebie. It is a compilation of many of my favorite children's books put into a library PDF where it is sectioned off into the four types of gardens. Children's books are a wonderful place to find inspiration for any lesson. I invite you to explore my nature-based children's book library and get seeds of inspiration for outdoor learning. So you can choose one or more books to complement your existing curriculum or simply scan all the nature-based books in the library for inspiration. The choice is yours. Go check it out at www.outdoor-classrooms.com and you will see it on the homepage. Hello, everybody. We are here for another Outdoor Classrooms Tour and Talk with Christy Nuttall. She is from the Wasatch Nature School in Utah, and she is going to be sharing her journey. And let's just dive right in. Welcome. Right. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Just love to dive in and really learn the story, your story and your journey before you became a nature-based educator. Sure, sure. So... Let me give the brief version. <laughs> it's a long story, but I actually studied cultural anthropology when I was at BYU, and I just fell in love with peoples and stories and learning all of the things that connect us all. And I did a master's degree in teaching. I did teaching English as a second language because I love working with people from all over the world, and I still do. But I, then I became a mom of four boys (laughs) and I became very busy with those four boys. I think it started out with, I'm, I'm bilingual. I speak Spanish as well. And I did a Spanish story time at our local library and I really fell in love with working with kids and stories, you know, using stories and storytelling younger ages. And then, okay, let me speed up. I'm going to go too long. And then, (laughs) and then when we, we've moved around a lot, but when we were living in Texas, I, I happened to see an online thing for a company called Tinker Garden. And Tinker Garden is kind of a pioneer in the United States of uh, nature-based education, you know, getting people in the outdoors um, as families with um, leaders in their community. And so I became a, a leader, one of their leaders in Texas. And 
I just fell in love with teaching outside and engaging kids with nature. And so that's the short version of the story. And then when I moved to Utah, I found Wasatch Nature School after being here for a couple of years. And I jumped right in with both feet and I have loved teaching there. I This is my fourth year of teaching with them. And I loved it. That's fantastic. Do you feel that since you've been teaching outdoors, that's sort of maybe changed your outlook on teaching and philosophy of education? Yeah, well, it's definitely a lot different than teaching an ESL class inside (laughs) (laughs) or an anthropology class in a university, which is what I've done before. But but I mean, you know, the same core principles of teaching of I think teaching teaching outside has definitely made it so I mean, I I think that's what I love so much about it is the classroom is always changing. I love teaching through the four seasons. You know, people always ask me, oh, well, your school must shut down during the winter. And I say, no, actually, we keep right on going. And you're still outside. Yes, we're still outside. We just dress for the weather. And so I think teaching outdoors, how has it changed my teaching teaching practice? It's just made me more adaptable, I guess. That's that's the word. You know, I adapt to each of the seasons and try to, you know, I definitely love finding the beauty and the magic of each season with the kids. And it's just so much fun. I I think that the ever- changing nature of it makes it makes it an, a very interesting job. So those that are listening, we have an amazing tour and talk and our tour and talks include beautiful, beautiful pictures. So Christy has sent pictures over to me and we have this beautiful slide presentation. So for those that are listening on the podcast will just be hearing us, obviously. And those that are members of our circle community will actually be able to access these tour and talks with the pictures inside our membership community. So as we go through and as we're we're chatting. We're also going to be describing some of the pictures that we see here. So those that are listening can enjoy them as well. One of the pictures here, we have a beautiful, I've never seen a round tarp. This is a round tarp. I've never seen one. And the kids oh. are all on their tarp with, it looks like a, some books and some buckets. And can you just share a little bit about what's going on here? Sure. I would love to. So this is one of my favorite spots in our outdoor classroom. It's by what the kids call crocodile tree. It's kind of a tree that they feel like it has kind of like a crocodile shaped mouth. And so I I found a a round um, tarp cover. It's actually our old trampoline cover that I repurposed (laughs) for my class. Our school has a lot of, you know, square and rectangle ones, but I thought, you know what? I just love a circle and I love bringing people together in a circle. And so I have this big blue circle tarp and right here, this is my forest kindergarten class. And you see them with these metal buckets next to them. Now these metal buckets are just a mainstay of our school. We use them for like right here, the kids are uh, doing water coloring. So we fill up the buckets with a little bit of water from the river. And then we they watercolor. A lot of times we take these buckets out on nature walks. The kids can gather nature treasures with these buckets. A lot of times we'll use them when we're doing simple machines and pulleys. The kids can you know pull them up and down the trees. Brilliant. Um, we will use them for mud kitchens, especially. There's such a beautiful mud kitchen tool because then the kids are doing that transportation schema of scooping up and then carrying over and putting in to a you know a larger vessel. And yeah. So I could go on and on, but yes. Beautiful. (laughs) So can you give us an overview of the Wasatch School, Nature School, and maybe how it's evolved over the years? Yeah, it started quite small. It actually, so it was started by Britt Murdoch, and she began it as a kind of like a bug collecting club in her neighborhood. And... And then just there was this outpouring of interest of people who wanted, you know, their kids to get involved. It started out just kind of as a preschool group. And then and then she met Carly Davis and 
Carly had also worked for Tinker Garden like me in Texas. And Carly and Britt got together and thought, what if we, you know, made this into something a little bigger? What if we had a couple of locations available in Utah? Because Britt had started out just in the vineyard area and they expanded over into Provo, which is where the, the majority of the pictures you'll see in this, this slideshow are from our Provo location because that's mm-hmm. where, where I work. But so it's evolved from just kind of like a little neighborhood bug collecting group into a preschool. And now we also, the past, let's see, this is our third year of offering forest kindergarten, which I teach. And then also our third year of offering advanced nature study, because we had so many kids who graduated from the program who were still interested in like having, you know, these nature experiences and these outdoor learning tools available to them. And so we have for ages six through 11, uh, we have, and sometimes 12, 13, it depends, <laughs> but six through mm-hmm. 11, we have programs for kids called advanced nature study, where they get to come out and do nature journaling and survival skills and a lot of the other just fun nature themed activities. Wow. And it looks like there's an event the, the two pictures here, they're making. Yes. Uh, I wanted to get that. Yes. So we have a tradition at our school of doing a lantern walk. Um, and the kids, you can see in one of the pictures, we have these, you know, we'll get mason jars, we'll collect them throughout the year and have kids bring ones from home too. And we paint on um, some tissue paper, colorful tissue paper, so that when you put a little electric light in it, it shines beautifully with the colors and it's just magical. And we uh, do it as a, usually, you know, as fall is changing into winter, just to kind of like a, as a symbol of like, we're carrying our beautiful inner light with us into the winter season. And, and, you know, winter has its magic too. It will be colder, it will be darker, but if we have that beautiful inner light and energy with us, you know, we can make the winter just as magical as the other seasons. Beautiful, beautiful. We I've had, had a lantern walk and oh, it's, they are magical. So to give us a little oriented of your outdoor space, you have sent over some incredible pictures of to give us a kind of a description of your outdoor learning spaces and also sort of the infrastructure of your space. So it's very cool. I mean, they really have access to a lot of space. So here we're you want to, I don't, I have you describe it. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. I actually <laughs> ran over and I took these pictures this morning because these are things I don't usually think to take pictures of, right? right. Just our gate that you walk in. I thought, oh, it's kind of nice to see like, this is, this is what you see as you walk in the school. This is at our Provo location. We have like a little sign and then our gate and you walk in and we have a storage shed. And then we see like our, our teacher wagons that are parked up next to it. Each teacher has a metal wagon that you know, has some heavy duty wheels on it to get us through the mud yeah. and the snow and all the seasons. And then we, this year, we just got these nice little covers for each of the wagon, um, which is great because we get a lot of moisture, <laughs> yeah, um, especially really... in the winter. And there's five of them. So they're must be five different teachers. Yeah. So we have five different teachers at this location. Yeah. So it's a big enough space that we can all, so we have four preschool classes going and then we have the forest kindergarten class and we all have our little space. And then kind of off in the distance there, you'll see a tent and we start putting those up. We just had our first big rainy day this past Monday. And so when it is 
raining hard, you know, we can be out and playing in the mud puddles and doing nature walks. But when the kids want to eat a snack, we do need a dry place. <laughs> so <laughs> we have these awesome pop-up tents that we got at Costco and um, we use those. And then yes. here you see our storage shed. We've got our supplies. They're neatly organized on the side. There's a few boxes in the middle. We had people order some oaky suits and boots. So mm. we just have some orders that are being picked up in the middle in those boxes. Really cool. I mean, I love the way you're using storage, but also the way that you are traveling with your materials throughout the space. And I can see tarps in your wheelbarrow. It's not a wheelbarrow, but it's a (laughs) car in our wagons. And your wagons. And then then the buckets again. Yep, yep. Uh, And again, a lot of questions about storage. And and you are fully immersed outdoors the whole time. We really are. And I I meant to, I should have put, put in my wagon. I also have but everyone can imagine it's just a, a plastic storage tote that it's, it was in my car at the moment. I was like, oh, I should have put it in the wagon. Yeah. But we, each teacher has what we call a main kit and it's a plastic storage tote. And that's where we have like, you know, our scissors, a hole puncher, extra paper, a first aid kit, you know, extra extra things, bag of crayons and things like that, that that you just need to have on hand. Yeah, And so that's, that's what I'll place on top of those tarps within the wagon. That's fantastic. And just different spaces. They've got the tents and this, there's, is it there's the our crocodile tree, Cro- crocodile tree, <laughs> and you have access to a stream or is this a river? Yeah, so this is the Provo river and with the younger classes, especially this year, the river's gotten a lot higher. So where, where the river is high, we have some safety. I didn't get a picture of it. We have a nice little safety rope on the side where the river is higher, you know, we're, the kids don't go past that rope. But when you go out on the trail, we, we have access to a trail that goes along the river. And there's some places that dip down where it's a little bit shallower, where the kids can dip out with their buckets to do mud mm, kitchen. Wow. So so that's really a nice, a nice feature of our school to have access to the river. So it's truly a forest school. You're in the forest. We definitely, um, definitely are. And Oh, I love this picture down here on the left. <laughs> yeah, This is down, yeah, at a kind of a shallow spot in the river where we're doing a mud kitchen and she's just dipping in and feeling that mud, having that yeah. sensory <laughs> experience. Yeah. I and I, I bet you face some challenges along the way, along in your journey of teaching outdoors. Can you share maybe some of those challenges and maybe how those challenges became opportunities and maybe how you pivoted? Yeah, definitely. I think some of our initial challenges of being at this, at at our Provo location was just, you know, since we decided to go all outdoor and we we don't have an indoor building that we can go to, it took us a little bit of experimenting, finding the right tents that work. We realized <laughs> we, we tried out tents that are a little bit more less expensive, but harder to put up all the poles, just like different, all of the bits and pieces that have to go together. And we realized, okay, this is not good. And we had tried smaller tents at first. And we thought, you know what, we need to be able to accommodate a bigger group. Mm-hmm. And, and then another thing that we've learned is just with the cold, you know, sometimes it does get really, really cold. We are in Utah, we do have really cold days. And we discovered that portable propane heaters are the secret sauce for those days. (laughs) Those have become a mainstay, but that, you know, that took some experimenting too, figuring out that we needed those. And then just finding hand warmers that work really well. We've learned that it's best if we actually open the hand warming packets before, you know, as the teachers are driving into school, if they're starting to warm them up in their cars. And then by the time we get to school, (laughs) 
when the kids need a hand warmer, those hand warmers are ready to rock and roll, ready to go. And, you know, we encourage parents also to send them with their kids, but there's always, you know, there's always a few cold hands and we like to be prepared to help them out. And it's been a good learning experience, just like being prepared for for the cold days and the wet days. But it's so interesting, those little tweaks. I mean, it's, yes. it's and to, to send the message that is it's not going to be perfect and right the very first time. It's a lot of trial no. and error. But to look at the the trial and error as as opportunity and to flip it around and and again little things like opening up the hand warmers in the car before you get yeah. there. So little little tweaking. Yeah, things yeah, make and such then a huge difference. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, here I am out on the trail. So sometimes we'll do kind of like a a traveling outdoor story time. You can see on the side we have, so we have access to this beautiful river trail that's through the, through the city of Provo that's open to the public. And so you see, I've kind of spread out a tarp here and I have the kids, um, they're kind of doing a snack time combined story time. It's a big group. So how many kids are in your group? Okay. So this group right here, this is actually during one of our summer camp sessions. Uh Um, So in summer camp, we'll have up to 14 and um, this is kind of a, I think this is the seven and eight year old. And for our preschool, our, our groups are 12 and then there's a TA, so a teacher and a TA, so one to six ratio. And then with the kindergarten, I have 14, but then I also have a teaching assistant. So it's a one to seven ratio with the, with the kindergarten. So yeah. what inspires you? What, where do you get your ideas? Where, what keeps you going? What <laughs> makes your heart sing? What, what inspires oh, you? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Such a great question. I think, oh my goodness, my, my heart sings when I, when I see the kids engaging in nature and just you know, running, you know, just yesterday I had a kid run up and like, Miss Christie, Miss Christie, the dragonflies are out. The dragonflies oh. are out. Come see. And it's questions like that, like that, you know, he was this this boy was so excited about the dragonflies and showing me the dragonflies and where they were. And then that got me more curious about, you know, the dragonfly life cycle and and then we investigated together. And then it was so fun because then we shared with the class the next time this really cool thing called dragonfly emergence. I had no idea that dragonflies go through this really cool cycle where they're, you know, they're, they're larvae and nymphs. And then they crawl out of the water, attach themselves to a tree. And basically, their, you know, their skin hardens. And then they kind of come out kind of like in this glorious dragonfly form and I'm like oh my goodness butterflies get all the attention caterpillar, the whole caterpillar <laughs> butterfly thing and I thought you know what I wouldn't have discovered this cool magical part of nature if it wasn't for me teaching and listening to the kids and having those moments where they're wondering and they're asking and like oh Miss Christie I need what about this and what do you know and and I love learning together with them and I think mm. that's what inspires me as like seeing their wonder and their excitement and then getting to discover together with them. That's great. Is there anything that other than the children that, that guides your outdoor curriculum? Definitely. Definitely. So, so like I said, yes, we, we do, we do love for these moments of child led learning, but we also have an amazing curriculum developed by Carly Davis. She's um, our school director right now, and it's called wildlings Academy. And so we're beta testing it right now. And it's just a wonderful combination of all of our favorite (laughs) learning styles. So it has, you know, Montessori, Charlotte Mason, Waldorf, a lot of beautiful teaching theories and philosophies. And she brings in just beautiful, famous pieces of art and music. And, and we have different themes that we do every week that go with a beautiful like phonology calendar. So for the fall right now, you know, for the month of October, 
We just did seeds and squirrels the past week. And then this week we, um, this week we had a a focus on spiders Mm. and spider webs and weaving. And then the next week we're going to jump into pumpkins and composting and, and things like that. And then the next week we'll dive into bats. And so it's, it's fun. We have different themes every week, but there's so much flexibility with what season we're in and what the kids are interested in and what, where we, it's teacher led, but also very child inspired and directed, I would say as well. Our photos are now kind of slowly going into winter. Yes. I wanted to show you how, what we do in winter. So this little guy is writing his name. Yes. Yes. So he's writing the snow. And it's so fun. We When we have snow, the kids just love writing in the snow. And especially with my forest kindergartners, that's the first thing they want to write is grab a stick and write their name in the snow. It's so empowering. And so just like, wow, look, there's me. There's yeah. my name. Yes. Especially this past year. I don't know what's happened. But it's been quite, quite the snowy, quite the snowy year last year. And I think it's predicted to be another one this year. I think that's what I heard. I heard. Oh, so yeah, lots of happy kids here in the snow. Yeah. So you can see this is when we were studying reindeer and, and the kid, they have their hands on their head because they're holding up little sticks to pretend to be their antlers. (laughs) Oh, I see the sticks now. I didn't see them before. They kind of camouflage. Yes. Yes. They're totally (laughs) camouflage. That's, that is precious. Oh my God. And I was like, they're see- doing something, but I, I yeah, didn't see yeah, the sticks. The, there it is. That's so great. Made. And then I- the bottom picture, they all wanted to do kind of a group, the snow angels. So it was a group snow yeah. angel activity where we had just a whole flock of angels. On the That's so- Any tips or tricks? I mean, again, you do not have an indoor space except for your tents. Any right. tips or tricks? I guess it again. <laughs> tips or tricks? For teaching and learning outdoors in the winter? Definitely. So I would say, I mean, you can see in both of these pictures, be active, active, active. So it's wonderful because in the curriculum, Carly has created so many awesome activities that that we do that are just very active. There, you know, we're going on nature walks, we're pretending to be animals, we're running around, either being squirrels, caching things for winter, or being huskies, one of the other winter of our winter lessons is the kids learn about Siberian Huskies and transporting things. And so we take cookie sheets and tie ropes to them and let the kids pull each other around on sleds or transport other objects. And so I would say the secret sauce is definitely like as much movement as possible. And, and part of our curriculum is just a lot of breathe in, breathe out. So we'll do something really, really active like that. And then we might sit down on our tarp and have a story time or sit down on a log if we're out on a nature walk. And I would say, yeah, just kind of like that ebb and flow, but definitely looking for more opportunities to bring in music and dance. Mm. We do a lot of music and dance in winter, especially (laughs) to like just keep things warm and just encouraging the families, especially to send their kids with layers, just definitely having that base layer and then having a fleece. And then we really strongly encourage like our families to have like a, a shell suit, like an oaky suit and then really good warm snow boots. Yeah, in that last picture, you saw him with the little binoculars that we were in the winter. It's so fun to do bird watching because, you know, the trees all clear up and you can really see those birds. Clearly, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I love, love doing that. And they just look so happy. Yeah, so this is, and then I'd say another fun thing in winter is bring out the sleds, even if you don't have a hill. So you you can see in one of my pictures as, you know, I, I had some, just some, you know, basic sleds from Costco that the kids are pulling each other around on. And then you see on this other hill, this is kind of a steeper hill, 
that the kids just like to slide down on their bum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that hill, oh my goodness, brought so much joy. We were studying polar bears and they were pretending to be polar bears and sliding down the hill like polar bears. And you've never seen happier polar bears. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love how in your pictures, I see a lot of book, a nature-based yes. book. And I love how in this picture, it's the box turtle, which I haven't, I've, I've seen oh, a lot of. this is I haven't seen a this marvelous book marvelous, marvelous book, Box Turtle. And it's so fun because it's a story of a a, a turtle born without a shell and he has to find something and he finds a box. And (laughs) it's just the sweetest book. And and, and I feel like, yeah, a lot of our curriculum is written that way where we have a, a book that inspires than an outdoor learning experience. So this one is perfect. So they learned about box turtle and then we'll talk about turtles, maybe bring in some nonfiction and turtle shells. And then the kids painted their own boxes and then pretended to be box turtles. Then then they had fun like crawling around and putting the boxes on their back and seeing it would be what would it feel like to be a box turtle, you know? Oh <laughs> like have my that goodness. I might have to steal that idea from you. Oh, please just... do. Please do. Great. Just to note that Christy is also a circle member in our circle community. So that's we get to yes. see lots of her. <laughs> Share lots of different ideas in our community. So this is uh, some more bird feeders, I'm guessing, that you're making here? Well, actually, so this has a lot of bird seed on top, but... One of our one of our traditions at Wasatch Nature School is for the kids' birthdays, they get to make mm-hmm. either like a little dirt or a mud pie. And for the sprinkles on top, we let them put birdseed. <laughs> the, <laughs> the birthday, the birthday boy or girl gets to sprinkle on bird seeds. Sometimes we'll have seasonings on hand like cinnamon. And then they find sticks, right, to be the candles. And then everyone gathers around, sings happy birthdays. So you Aww. see one of our students here holding his little mini mini birthday birthday pie and then we'll we'll sing happy birthday and then everyone pretends to blow out the candles and make a wish and then it's lovely because then we can sprinkle <laughs> sprinkle the, the broken cake or pie in our classroom and then the ducks love it after we finish class the ducks always sneak in from the river and then they're gobbling oh. up those birthday pies and cakes <laughs> the one thing i keep hearing in your conversation is rituals Yes. Many of the yes. rituals. So it's it could be just, oh, yeah, we do pot, we do this. But it, it sounds like you have rituals and it, which make it sort of extra special. Yeah, we really do. And I'd say that definitely, yeah, the influence of our, of our director, Carly Davis, she really loves, she actually had a great presentation that she did on, on the, the last Nat Start conference on rituals and, and celebrations. And we incorporate that into our school culture. Well, we'll do that for birthdays. We have our lantern walk. We celebrate the winter solstice. We celebrate Earth day we we look for wonderful excuses to to celebrate and create you know practices within our classroom to to really make these connections with nature and celebrations truly magical for the kids and what's happening in this other picture yes okay so in this picture okay this is one of my favorite activities i found some fisherman's net so if you get fisherman's net and then you can attach it to a tree. And this is where we were learning about rainbows and colors. And so I was letting the kids see what it would feel like to weave a rainbow with the colors. So you see different ribbons of different colors and you see string and yarn. And so I was letting the kids get a feel for that of like going in and out, you know, so great for motor skill development, but also just kind of seeing what it feels like to be a yeah, rainbow. It's really, really sweet. And again, another book. This one's Water Princess. Yes. Okay. So this is another one of our school traditions is we (laughs) celebrate World Water Day. So in March, there's a World Water Day where 
we read this book. It's called Water Princess. It's about a girl from a little village in Africa. And she talks about just the, the hike that she has to go on with her mom every day just to get water to cook with and use for daily activities. And so we we act out the story with the kids. It's so fun. We have them, you know, pretend to be asleep in their village and, you know, wake up by the rooster. And then everyone grabs their bucket and we go down the trail and then they have to walk with their buckets and we find a spot way down the trail. And then they have to go to the river and scoop it up. And then you can see in this picture and then they try to carry it back on their heads, just like the girl in the story. <laughs> and it is so sweet and so cute for them to realize like, oh my goodness, Miss Christy, this is this is a little harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> like balance this and, and um, just kind of giving them perspective of, of other cultures and experiences of what other kids in the world, what their lives are like and connecting wow. them. I have to steal that one too. It's oh, just, please do. And then we, it's so fun. And then we'll do it as a fundraiser as well, where the kids bring, you know, they save up coins and pennies and then I'll bring an empty water bottle and let them fill that water bottle. And then we'll donate to, um, to a project going on. There's, there's a wonderful uh, organization called Help Africa that has some water, water projects they do in different communities. And so it's just fun for the kids to then, you know, hear back from the organization and how their pennies and dimes and nickels went to like funding a well, you know, in a certain village. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> it's really <laughs> exciting. And do you, yeah. have a, you, do you have a bunny? Yes. Okay. I was just going to say. Bunny in your not- community? Another another fun thing we try to do with all of our units is if we're talking about an animal, so if we have a unit on bunnies, then we reach out to our community and say, does someone have rabbits they could bring in? And someone brought in these gorgeous rabbits. This is in spring of last year. And you can see they're very large. These are little baby rabbits, but they're quite, <laughs> quite large and quite huggable. And the kids oh, just, just love them. You can see oh. they, they just... To be able to hold a rabbit and really feel and see what a rabbit is hands-on is great. But what a good idea not to necessarily take on the, because you're in the fort, take on the responsibility of having a rabbit as a part of your ongoing community. Right. As much as as you probably want to, but to to have it be a visitor. Yeah. Very definitely. Lover. So we got a lot of other fun art projects here, kids climbing on the hill on a different season. Yeah. Let me jump in really quick. So this is, so you see um, another one of our fun rituals is we have a spring celebration and we have, we'll, we'll get clear shower curtains and you can pin them kind of between trees and use clips and let the kids just do beautiful spring colors and paint kind of as a group mural. So that's one of our school traditions is to let the kids just kind of come together and create a group art activity. Mm. And then and then we'll let the kids like make these little May Day wreaths that you see on their heads, these cute little flower wreaths that the kids will put on their heads. And it's a lot of fun. That's beautiful. A lot of rituals happening at your school. So again, I don't even think I have to ask this question. What makes your school unique from other programs? And I think <laughs> I think all your rituals, but uh, anything yeah. that you can think of that? Definitely. Well, I would say, yeah, definitely are the, the rituals, the traditions, the rich ways of connecting kids with nature. And I think just the, the teachers all bringing in their interests and their, and their expertise. We have, you know, such a wide range of teachers that come from with different areas of expertise. 
you can see in this picture is kind of fun. This is this is one of my my passions is teaching people about composting and just the the wonder of, you know, how it's like recycling food and letting it, you know, turn back into the earth and give nutrients to the soil. And so one of our fun traditions, this is um for Earth Day is we let the kids do a big compost stew together. And mm. so I'll bring in like all of my kitchen scraps and eggshells and let the kids smash the shells with the mallets and do the we got to see some pieces of cabbage and things like that in there and then pour it in and make a giant compost stew and then we'll take it over we have a little corner in our classroom that's kind of like our class compost area that will cover it up with the leaves and then um, what's fun too is in the fall when we do this with our pumpkins is then they get to see how the decomposition happens and how the little bugs come in and and eat up all the compost and turn it back into dirt. So definitely wow, lots of, I don't know, lots of fun little things. But I would say what also makes our school unique is I think we're, we're especially in our area, you know, one of the only schools that, that does serve both preschool and kindergarten and older kids. We really try to do a wide range to, to make it a family experience. We have so many siblings that take mm-hmm. our classes. So my advanced nature study class I think I have at least four or five sets of siblings. Like one sibling has taken my class and they loved it. And then they want to bring their sibling. And that as a teacher just brings me so much joy thinking, oh my goodness, I get to like make this a family experience um, for connecting kids to nature. And that I think definitely sets our school apart is that, you know, we have these situations where it can really be a family nature learning experience. And, And you're the dinner conversation. (laughs) <laughs> and more books and more more activities. So bo- Boxitex? Boxitex is a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, I think uh, it's it's great because <laughs> this is fun because in this picture, you see my bo- my son came to volunteer as my teaching assistant oh. for the day. And the kids loved him and he loved it. And we, so I read this book. So we, you know, we'll read a book and then just ask, you know, ask kids like, what, how could you be a Boxitex? What could you do? you know, with boxes to build something and what would you want to build? And so we have all the boxes laid out and we have, I don't know if you can see in the picture, but what we love to use at our school is we have golf tees and just little wooden hammers. I think they're probably in most nature schools, but they're really fun for putting together boxes. We also use them in the fall with our pumpkins and let the kids hammer golf tees into the pumpkins. And so, yeah, definitely a lot of fun, you know, using, using books again to inspire the activity. That's one of the things I love, love, love doing. So this is at in one of our summer camps. This is a bushcraft camp that I designed the curriculum for. And I had so much fun doing it. Um, so it's kind of for the older kids. And I taught them knife safety and then how to do some whittling. Wow. And then you can kind of see in this picture on the left, they they have some little wooden gnome people that they oh, created. Yeah. <laughs> we had some little patches of cloth that they created clothing for their gnome people. And then I was encouraging them to use their new whittling skills to create mini shelters for their known people. So they're whittling down some sticks and then they're kind of bringing these sticks over by the log and creating kind of like a little mini shelter for their known people. (laughs) It was so much fun. They really got into it. And it looks like they're making bigger. And then a big person shelter. Yes. So the day after we did the little mini shelters, then I brought in some tarps and then we went out on the trail and found some places where kind of the logs had naturally fallen to create a place where they could put tarps over and creating an emergency shelter if they needed to. You got to explain this one. (laughs) (laughs) So this again, this is from our camp bushcraft. And we didn't have time to actually go out and go fishing. That was my dream is like to take the kids all fishing and we would catch fish. But I was able to acquire some fresh fish that I brought into the camp. And then I showed the kids how to scale the fish 
how to cut the fish, how to gut the fish. And you can see the kid, this is the joy that is on his face of after the, the fish head has been cut <laughs> off. And he's like, Miss Christy, look at the lungs. This is so cool. You know, the gills are the gills of the fish and just so exciting. You know, like fish guts, who knew, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then we cut up, we cut um, off the chunks of the fish fillet and then they got to cook them in the fire. And with some, you know, I let them chop up some vegetables and we seasoned it and they tried it. And it's just so empowering for kids to be able to cook their own food. And see, oh my goodness, I think I actually like fish. And oh, I like cooked vegetables. Who knew? Because they had a chance to cook it and have a part of it. And then it just made it, you know, just this this very memorable experience that hopefully (laughs) changed their eating Uh, habits for the better too, right? There's pictures and pictures and all different activities. They're in trees and they're doing all sorts of amazing (laughs) things. So if you were to give any piece of advice, seed of inspiration, or a tip to an educator or a parent, uh, what would that be? I would say just look for opportunities for your kids to engage with the outdoors, to to go in one of these pictures. I love it shows the kid, you know, working on making a potion, you know, let them just take a bucket or take a cup outside and give them the tools, right? Like there's just like some, you know, different colored water, just like have these invitations. I would say one of the best things you can do is set out invitations for kids to just like, here's this colored water and here's some droppers. Like, what do you, what would you like to do with that? Most kids will automatically like dive right into, oh my goodness that needs to be a potion. And, you know, like, let me go gather some more ingredients and, you know, some leaves. And and if you just kind of like help set up that magic by like having, you know, some seeds and feathers and some other things close by, and then your enthusiasm will feed their enthusiasm, mm-hmm. you know, just like being excited about it and like encouraging that. And I would also say, you know, you can see from all my pictures, just reading really good books inspires nature yeah. play as well. That's part of why I love outdoor education is I, I love writing children's books and I love doing storytelling myself. And so the more that you're connecting stories and books with the outdoors and nature, just it's such a magical combination. And also music, like you can see, this is my my sister-in-law here in this picture. She works as my TA for one of my classes and she'll bring in her mandolin and play oh. music for the kids. And she taught them the cutest little song, you know, about bird calls and like recognizing bird calls and the kids are all making these different bird calls. And then they remember and connect and the kids will come in. It was so cute the other day, a little girl ran in and said, Miss Christy, Miss Christy, I hear the chickadee song. The chickadee is singing to me, you know, and I know that's because uh, we did this the song with with the mandolin, but she was tuned into what a chickadee song sounds like. And so now she recognizes it and, and wants to tell me about it. It was wonderful. I just got goosebumps. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's exact okay. that's the connection you want. You know, that's exactly why we do what we do. Is there anything else that we miss that you'd still like to share with our community? I want to yes, yes, let yes. everybody know that you are one of the circle members and these are it's just not necessarily a membership for just beginners. It's for even for folks that have doing this for a while. We just we want to move this movement forward. I want to thank you. But anything else you'd like to share? Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this last chance. I think I just want to just quickly talk about these last two pictures here. And so in the one on the left, you see like the kids from my advanced nature study class, they're gathered around the campfire. And we're actually doing this really fun activity where um, we learned about this culture in Venezuela that roasts tarantulas. They roast Goliath bird-eating tarantulas. (laughs) Don't worry, people at home, we did not actually roast tarantulas, but I brought in some, I had this vision before class of, oh my goodness, we could roast marshmallows with pretzels stuck in them to represent the tarantulas. (laughs) 
oh my goodness. And the kids loved it. So we, we had these marshmallows and the kids stuck pretzels in them to be the tarantulas. And then while they were roasting the tarantulas, I told them the story. You can say, it looks like I'm throwing stuff on the fire, but I'm doing a storytelling session where I'm telling them the story of Anansi the spider and his six sons. It's a story from the Ashanti people of West Africa. And they you can just see by their faces, just, just so engaged, you know, this story in this moment, they're roasting, <laughs> roasting spiders and then hearing this spider, spider storytelling. And so it was just so much fun. I think that you ask what inspires me. I think that's part of what really inspires me is just moments like that. And then here, this picture on the right, this is something else that I'm very passionate about is teaching kids about nature journaling. You can see this, this girl, she's holding up this beautiful sunflower. And then she's so proud of this sunflower that she's painted in her journal. And um, I've been working on, you know, teaching the kids to write the date in their journal. So you can, she's very proud. She just has like written the date up in the corner and we've worked on, you know, this year we're really working on from John Muir. There's just so uh, just a wonderful wealth of resources, but his three questions that he talks about with nature journaling that I incorporate in my classes are, I notice, you know, noticing with your five senses, what you notice, I wonder, what does it make you wonder about? And then it reminds reminds me of, Mm -hmm. right? And so those three questions, oh my goodness, that that can just inspire your whole class. And that's what I I love to do with my advanced nature study students. We're out on the trail and just those three questions. I think that's what I want to leave everyone with is just, you know, when you're out with your kids, just what do you notice, you know, with your five senses? What do you wonder? And what does it remind you of? What connections, what stories, what people, what things, what other ways can we connect it back to nature? I have a group of uh, after school, I've run a little nature after school class and these kids love their journals. It's like they want to journal the whole time they're here with it with me. It's, it's fascinating. And I, I just love how you ended that notice, wonder, and re- what does it remind you of? Terrific. So where can we find you? Okay, so you can find us. We have a website, wasatchnatureschool.com. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Christy underscore Roser underscore Nuttle. But we can put that in the notes. <laughs> I love this picture. This is right after our, our summer camp finished and everyone's just kind of like that happy relief. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we, we did it like joyous victory, but also just like, whoo. Ooh, we're really tired. That was a lot Take of work. Take a breather. Take a breather. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was just absolutely perfect. Me. Thank you. Thank you. I love that you do these podcasts and connect us to all these programs all over all over the world. <laughs> this is great. Thank you. You are welcome. Did you know that outdoor classrooms improve children's emotional, intellectual, and behavioral development while helping foster the development of creativity, problem-solving, independence, and confidence? The problem is, overwhelm, fear, and a lack of time can often make achieving any outdoor classroom vision into reality more trouble than it's worth. Did you know that we have a membership community at Outdoor Classrooms? It's the leading training community for educators and parents interested in cultivating outdoor classrooms and creating nature-based curriculum. It's a membership to support, collaborate, educate, and bring like-minded educators together. And it's packed with in-depth practical training and resources for all aspects of planning, running, and growing a sustainable outdoor classroom, plus the community support you need to ensure your teaching gardens achieve their full potential. 